Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And uh, much like the protests following the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, um, we are entering our second week of coverage um, around uh, the issues that have spurned so many to take to the streets. Um, you know, I a week on here, I do want to offer my thanks once again to uh, Devon Monroe, Russell Rogue, and uh, Chris Harris for coming on the show last week to talk about their experiences and how um, this has impacted not just their communities and, and the black uh, population, but also... Um, you know, how this interacts with pro wrestling. And we're going to kind of take pro wrestling a little bit out of it this week and focus on a part of the movement that seems a bit under-recognized, underserved, and uh, is really clamoring for uh, a voice within the greater movement that we've seen across this country and abroad um, regarding Black Lives Matter, and that is uh, black trans lives. Um Obviously, the Black Trans Lives Matter has become somewhat of a motto um, within protests, movements, and, and within the LGBTQ uh, movement um, that is intersecting with these uh, protests over the past couple of weeks as it's spread into uh, Pride Month here. But even with those communities um, offering some recognition, it's still sorely not enough. And, you know, people like Tony McDade, um, Iana Dior, Monica Diamond, Nina Pop, these figures that have either um, had their lives ended or have su- suffered, um, you know, violence at the hands of not just the people that, you know, like the police or, or the people that we've seen, you know, coming out against protesters, but from within the black community itself. And I thought that a discussion on black trans lives would be very fitting. And um, I'm very happy that my partner, KC, uh, decided to sit down and have that conversation with me today. Uh, how are you doing, KC? I'm doing. <laughs> I know it's a loaded question at the moment. No, I mean, I appreciate you asking in general, I think it's difficult um, to really answer because I think a lot of our knee-jerk reactions are just to say, I'm doing good or well or, you know, saying everything's okay. But really right now, time in these times, things are not okay. And in general, it's also just good for me to check in with myself to see how I actually am doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right to do so, I think. I think a lot of people are having to do that um, as these things have continued on. Um, but before we get to the, the, the heart of the matter today, I am curious. I know like we live together. We talk about this stuff almost every day. But I, I, I want to know like how, how are you feeling regarding the, the situation as a whole right now in terms of um, everything that's happened post-George Floyd and and the the protests and, and the promises or police reform that we've seen, whether they empty or not. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts just on the overall 
situation before we really focus in on the specific issue at hand. Well, I'm mixed, but I predominantly identify as black because I grew up in a very white area and my my blackness was always recognized and targeted um, growing up. And that, I think, just really... I hate saying I predominantly identify as being black um, because all of my different uh, racial identities, um, I carry those with me every day and they play out in different ways every day, different moments in the day. Um, But um, in general, I am a black American, um, despite what people perceive me as. And things have been difficult um, for me because um, being a Black American, I've known about the violence against Black people my entire life. That's always been something that's been present on my mind. And um, I know that there's been recognition of it over the last five or so years, it's, it's been definitely a growing movement. Um, I also just keep getting stuck on why now, um, I keep asking myself why now have white people especially really started taking up anti-racism and, uh, trying to push for that. And obviously I think that it's great because it's, very much needed. Um, I also, it's hard for me because I've, I've seen so many black people get murdered by the police, by white people with guns for a, a bunch of different stupid reasons. And it's hard for me to not be resentful that people's lives, like people, might not have been killed if people had taken black people's experiences at face value, taken them seriously a long time ago. And I don't have, I don't want to comment necessarily on my stance on police specifically. Um, I mean, as a black person, I, uh, definitely have a lot of strong feelings when it comes to law enforcement. Yeah. Um, but mainly what's bogged me down is again, just it's been my whole life. It's been countless numbers of lives, generations. Racism is not something new. And I guess I'm really thankful for the technology that we currently have because it's on video. And if it's on video, you can't deny it. I guess one comment that I will make on police is a lot of there, there is opinion out there that we shouldn't be pushing for body cams on law enforcement because body cams won't stop the killings. We're not trying we're not saying that body cams will stop the killings, but 
it means we have hard evidence that people cannot deny. And that's why those are so important. That's why it was so important to document the murders of black people. It's really hard for me because I can't watch those videos. I, It's hard for me to even see images and just, you know, being constantly bombarded by those images when I'm not necessarily seeking them out over the last two or three weeks. Um, it's very difficult. And even talking about it now, like, I'm having to check in with myself to see where I'm at emotionally. And um, yeah, so that's, I think, <laughs> kind of where I'm at overall. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it's not that dissimilar to, I think, a number of people. You know, especially, you know, I know that there are plenty of people that are probably really straining themselves emotionally and mentally whenever it comes to this, just to keep these issues at the forefront, you know, and, and I can only imagine what that is, their mental health and, you know, so. And I was really appreciative with um, Devon Russell and Chris being on the show last week because they said so many things that either I was thinking or just they had new perspectives that really enlightened me and it's hard to talk about this because this is our trauma we're reliving it by talking about it and um, I'm just really appreciative that they were um, willing to be open about that and speak to their trauma our collective trauma as a community honestly trauma as a nation even though there are folks obviously who don't view it that way um, yeah. No, I mean, and you speak to trauma. I think it's a trauma that you continuously live in that way because it doesn't, it hasn't gone away. And it keeps getting thrust into the faces of communities. And, and it's really, I can, you know, I, obviously I don't fully understand, but, um, yeah, no, that's... I don't know what I don't know what I would I I, just, I don't know I don't know what I would do if I had to live through similar experiences like that. You know I'm glad that we're able, that we can at least check in in that way and 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 support each other in that way and and be able to discuss these things whenever we can. Um, you know whether it be uh, you know just the two of us our own in private or when we went to protest here in portland or um even on the show well i'm really interested in some of the topics that you've prepared for tonight i looked over them briefly and i think that they're all things that i'm excited to talk about um excited's probably not the best word but i'm glad that there are things that are that we'll be able to talk about yeah and, and it's a conversation that is needs to take place as this movement continues to grow and continues to pull in um, supporters from all over the the cultural sphere, it seems and like. the world. Yeah. Like, literally, like you, it's, you can pretty much pick any subsect <laughs> of a culture, of a, of a culture across the world, and some part of it 
is out there screaming Black Lives Matter right now. But um, I do. I want to start off today with speaking about that actually, because obviously Black Lives Matter um, has caught on in a huge way in 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 that way. But at the same time, uh, there are some questions regarding the uh, representation of black trans lives within that movement right now. Um, I think that you know there have been plenty of people out there talking about that black lives can't all black lives can't matter until all black lives matter um and and stuff like that but there's also been discussions about you know people basically framing it as um sort of like prioritizing the fight against white supremacy over the internal struggle with um like homophobia, transphobia, uh, and the treatment of black trans people, the erasure of black trans people within the, these movements. Because, you know, we, we were out at the protests and we were chanting Breonna Taylor's name. We were chanting George Floyd's name. Um, we saw some signs that had Tony McDade's name on it. And Nina Pop. And Nina Pop. But those names weren't involved in chants. Those names were hardly represented within these movements. Um, I'm curious to get to get your take on where Black trans lives fit into the Black Lives Matter movement, and how you feel the Black Lives Matter movement has um, really. Uh, how how do you perceive their attitude towards those uh, towards Black trans lives around this? Um, well, I definitely think that um, there is an increase in recognition of just the fact that trans people are also black. Um, and also I do want to say we did see Tony McDade and Nina Pop's name. We're also, we live in an area where um, it's at least a little bit more acceptable to be transgender, gender non-conforming, non-binary. And I would be curious to see what that representation is like in other parts of the country where it's not as acceptable. Um, I've actually been surprised um, that I've, I've seen a lot more talk about black trans lives um, over the past few weeks. And I don't know if this is just because of the social bubble that I'm in Um in my personal life, I, I do a lot of anti-racism work, a lot of um, just anti-discrimination work around these kinds of identities. So um, I'm, I'm probably positioned in a different way than a lot of other folks. Um, but I actually have seen talk about Black trans people who are um, being murdered and being beaten um, in the last few weeks. And this isn't stuff that I t tend to seek out because honestly, um, it's traumatizing for me again, talking about trauma, but like I balance my con concerns for my physical safety every time I leave my home. And by looking up statistics and who's been killed this week that's trans like it 
it makes it harder for me to actually be able to leave my home and think that I'm in safety. Um, regardless of if, you know, whether it's true that I'm safe or not, um, having that on my mind doesn't help me be able to leave my home. So, um, so because I don't seek out that information, it has been really, um, good to see that these stories are popping up in places where I'm not looking for them. Cause that means that people are talking about it. People are recognizing our trans siblings. Um, and just in general, recognizing that yes, black people are trans, black people are gay, black people are all sorts, have all sorts of different types of sexuality, gender identities. We're the LGBT community. Also, by the way, Happy Black LGBTQ Pride Month. Just saying. <laughs> um, so I, I think that this is a shift in the right direction. Um, overall, um, even though I am in this particular type of social bubble, um, I think anytime we have that sort of progression, there will always be backlash. Um, and not just backlash amongst white people, but backlash against people within the black community who are homophobic or transphobic. Um, like in the community, it's seen as only white people can be part of the LGBTQ community. It's only for them, um, not us. Hmm. But that's really not the case. Um, we exist and our fight is the same. And by being divided, like that's not helping any of us. You're not, you're not wrong there. Um, I, I am curious because you bring up the fact that, you know, routinely when an LGBTQ pride is kind of uh, framed around, let's face it, white gay men in a lot of ways um, to a majority. And while, yes, that is a vital part of the community, like you said, like the LGBTQ community is a wide range um, of identities within it. I mean, there's a reason why the rainbow is the symbol for it and the rainbow with the black and brown stripe um, as well. So I'm curious, like, why do you think or what reasons do you see why that continues to exist? Like, cause I know there's been a lot, there's been plenty of, of, of people before this, you know, this has been a conversation topic for a number of years where, um, you know, black queer erasure, black trans erasure by, um, you know, white people within the movement, white people within the community has been um, a concern for a long time. And it's kind of been th thrust back into the spotlight a bit for the LGBTQ community, specifically with uh, renewed um, highlighting of the role of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera in the um, Stonewall riots, you know, we talked about this last week. The Stonewall Uprising. Stonewall Uprising, okay. 
Stonewall uprisings. <laughs> um, but you know, there's been a lot of, obviously like that's been a hot topic that's been thrust back in there, like their role in really laying the foundation for the LGBTQ rights movement. And even so, as that's happened, there are still plenty of people who choose to not highlight those identities that were within the movement that really spearheaded that movement to a degree. What, what do you think keeps this, this divide um, continuing within our community? The divide between... Between, like, the, the white queer community and the black queer community. Like, the, the, why do you think the erasure continues to happen even though the highlight of, you know, how fundamental um, black queer people and black trans people have been in the found, in laying the foundation for everything that we enjoy in terms of the civil rights we have gained over the past 51 years? Well, um, I think it has to do with, like, generally racism, um, first touching on the white LGBTQ community. Um, oftentimes when I've been in spaces, like, I'm thinking my workplace, um, uh, LGBTQ resource group, and then... Um, when I was in school, there were LGBTQ um, groups. They're largely white, and in those groups, they tend to be racist, like, whether it's overt or not. Um, like, it could be really subtle. Um, they aren't fully welcoming spaces to um, queer people of color. And then touching on the black community um largely and of course this isn't to say this is the case with everybody but um largely within the black community it is highly religious and that tends to breed a lot of homophobia and transphobia um my black grandpa passed away not too long ago and i as i was looking through his stuff i found a tiny little Bible-like book that had, like, basically explicitly homophobic highlights. And while I loved my grandpa and I know he loved me, I never would have come out to him. Mm. Never. Um, because I knew that it just was, it was a no-go. Um... It's even been difficult with my dad, um, his son. Um, in my dad actually accepting that I am who I am. Um, and I just see that a lot in largely black spaces where there's also homophobia and transphobia and just a general lack of um, tolerance and acceptance of the LGBTQ community. Um, I also, um, just history with, um, the civil rights movement, Baird Rustin, who is a black man who, um, 
did a lot of behind the scenes civil rights work for Martin Luther King. Um, racists used him as leverage against Martin Luther King. Like they were going to out them as some secret gay couple. If Baird Rustin continued to be a very open part of the civil rights movement. And I think that that was a huge step back in a lot of ways for, um, the civil rights movement as a whole, not just for people of color, but also for LGBTQ people. Um, and I know that might be a controversial opinion. I tend to get some backlash specifically from, from black people saying like, well, if that had happened where, even if it wasn't true that they were saying Martin Luther King was a gay man, like that would have halted the civil rights movement and stuff like that. But it also might not have. And we might have been a lot further with civil rights than where we were with the Stonewall Uprising and up until now. And that history often gets lost. Um, And even like in the 1920s, black queer people played a huge role in the church. So it, it seems, I want to say it's ironic that we're so divided, but at the same time, by keeping us divided, it makes us weaker. And ultimately that is what a white supremacist society aims for to keep minority groups weak so we don't gain any sort of power or attraction do you see any similarities in the situation that that you're describing there um from the 1960s um in what some of what we've seen um in in the press from some some leaders talking about how um you know the focus should be on fighting back white supremacy and, and while the fight to recognize black trans lives within the movement is also at the forefront it's sort of like putting one above one before the other in some way instead of fighting both at the same time or pushing for both at the same time do you see any similarities between that situation and what you just described absolutely first i want to say it's not an oppression olympics Hmm. No one's getting awards for being more oppressed. <laughs> and it, again, harms us to view it that way. Um, second, transphobia is part of white supremacy. There have been trans people, non-binary people, gender non-conforming people for thousands of years and it's been systematically erased due to white supremacy. This started um, in the Americas with slaughtering um, indigenous folks and who had two... So I'm not part of the community, so I do want to recognize that. Um, what I'm saying may not be fully accurate, and definitely please fact check me on this and do your own research also to... Um, just sort of confirm, but this is my understanding that um, there were quite a few um, indigenous tribes that 
um, really elevated trans trans people within their tribes and um, even recognized folks as being two spirit. Um, and that was erased due to white people. Um, in the 1940s, there was a lot of work done. I forget, I forget by whom. Um, so again, something to research. But there was a lot of work done on all of the various different gender identities and possibilities that Hitler burned. Our history, our trans history has literally been erased by white supremacy. So by saying only focusing on race as part of weight, a way to fight trans, uh, sorry, excuse me, fight white supremacy, that's inaccurate. Hmm. And again, I want to go back to saying our fight is the fucking same. Oh, can I cuss? Yeah, you can cuss. <laughs> okay. You can say fuck all you want. <laughs> um. So that, that, there's those there's where my thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, our, you, words ring true. Our fight is the fucking same. <laughs> you know, like I I totally get that, and I think that it's it's kind of while I can see not that I agree with the logic, while I see where the logic might be in trying to make that statement, you can't divorce one from the other. The same way that you're saying, you know, like if you really try and undercut one part of your community's um, civil rights with this, like how unified of a front can you really be um, in, in that way? Even if it's just by a lack of advocacy and not, you know, explicitly working against communities like that. And with that, I also want to touch on um, disability within the civil rights and within mm -hmm. this movement, because this is also something that I don't think it's talked about very much, but people with disabilities, specifically mental health deficit, disabilities, um, severe and persistent dis uh, mental health disabilities like schizophrenia, um, other disabilities with symptoms of psychosis, they often are targeted by police brutality um, because of their mental health specifically and how it presents. And um, obviously I find this awful and a completely incorrect way of handling people with disabilities. Um, but that also is a huge reality. And this is also ignored again, because I think there's a huge mentality within the black community, which again, I think is shifting and, and moving towards more of an open acceptance that yes, we also have mental health disabilities. But that also is something that tends to be pushed aside where you pray so you don't have depression, anxiety, other me mental disabilities. And um, obviously that's not fully accurate either. Um, even today, um, I think that there's a difference um, with how people with mental health disabilities are treated based off race, but also specifically based off wealth, white people who are wealthy um, or who come from wealthy families, they tend to be able to actually seek mental health treatment compared to white people who don't have money to seek treat adequate treatment. Then also black folks who don't seek 
adequate treatment because of our culture around what seeking treatment means. And then also, again, who can't afford to seek adequate treatment. Um, Poor people with mental health disabilities, and especially black people with mental health disabilities, tend to be targeted by police more and face police brutality there. Um, And that shouldn't get swept, swept under the rug either. And that also should be forefront on our movement. No, I completely agreed. I think that's why a lot of the, you, know, you see a lot of the pushes right now um, within different cities to defund or dismantle or fundamentally restructure their police departments in terms of how they address um, mental illness um, crises and and that sort of thing has really caught on um, in a very, very popular way. I know earlier today I was listening to uh, the Portland City Council meeting, and, and that was a, a topic that was brought up by many of the uh, the public uh, callers that made their voices heard during that meeting, as well as countless others um, across the country. I mean, we've already seen it in, in Minneapolis where they're talking about basically dismantling their police department because they just... Outside of the much more violent um, things that have been happening within that police department for a number of years now at this point, um, addressing those sort of issues by sending armed um, officers is not the answer. Um, when responding to... When responding to like people undergoing like mental health crisis. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Or having the mental health crises impact what their actions in that way, mm-hmm. you know. So, I think it's been a, 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 it's been much more widely discussed, and even within um, you know black populations as well. I, I think that you're spot on, and that a lot more people are realizing that um, black people can be depressed and um, suffer mental health issues just as much as anybody else. Um, And I think there's been a big push, um, at least some of a push within our community to um, really encourage our community to seek treatment and therapy. And I would really encourage that for anyone because I think all of us have probably faced trauma throughout our lives in one way or another um but it it's it's really refreshing to sort of see that pop up more and more that discussion on mental health yeah no it definitely is I mean it's it's something that's needed and hopefully it will continue um as things go forward, however this movement comes out the other side. Um, we'll see. Um, I do want to get back to the, the role that black trans lives have been playing in, in this movement, particularly um, real quick, though. I don't know like we really deviated that much, but I, I, I do want to talk about... Um, obviously, we the, the, the names have been highlighted, maybe not to the extent that other names have, um, within the movement so far, but um, I'm curious to get your feelings on where Black trans lives fit within 
generalized LGBTQ victimhood. Um, because, you know, there have been plenty of, plenty of arguments that, you know, the black trans erasure or POC trans, trans erasure, POC queer erasure, um, really comes from the fact that a lot of times those communities over the, the history of the gay rights movement, um, has kind of been lumped into the same category with the the white victims as well and they all kind of get lumped into one space and you don't because of that you don't see them highlighted as much while they might be you know disproportionately affected um by some of these situations i think part of it is folks not being highlighted but i also think it comes down to when black trans folks are murdered by the police their trans identity is stripped from them. Their legal name is used in proceedings, which they may, that might be their dead name still. Um, And they're usually gendered incorrectly. Um, And again, if you don't have a supportive black family, your whole identity might be erased when like during a funeral burial. So I think it's, yeah, partially erasure from folks possibly being lumped together, um, from black trans folks being lumped together with white trans folks. But also, I, I think that it's erasure literally because they're taking our names away and taking our identities away. Mm. And that's very specific to some, to what's going on right now. That's been basically the MO for news coverage regarding Tony McDade and in his, in his local um, area down there in Tallahassee, Florida, Um, you know, even like the, the local public um, news station, uh, WFSU have consistently misgendered Tony McDade in their coverage of his case. Um, and they're not the only ones that have done that. And and many people have been quick to point that out. Because um, it's unacceptable. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely I unacceptable. Know it goes without saying. Yeah. No, well, it definitely it needs to be said, though, because people are still doing it. People in, in the media industry, the people that are paid to cover these stories and tell these stories to the wider public so that there is recognition and there is, um, you know, oversight onto these onto these situations and these issues and the people that are impacted by them they're not doing their job if they if they are stripping trans identities from people posthumously whenever they cannot speak for themselves i don't think i could have put it better having all that being said um why do you think that the media or at least parts of the media are still readily doing that um, after countless other, not just people with other people within the media, other outlets who have consistently, um, criticized them for, for doing so and have pointed it out, um, while do to these people directly while doing it. Um, but also just the more wide, wide acceptance. Um, I know obviously there are pockets of this country where trans acceptance is m- m- like dismal is dismal i was going to say dragging behind other places but yes dismal oh, to say the least um and i'll be frank 
the fact that three of the three deaths that we listed, because Eyanna Dior is, did not get um, killed um, in, in St. Paul, Minnesota, just, unfortunately was just, well, no, 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 backing that up. Um, you know, she was not killed, but Monica Diamond, Tony McDade, Nina Pop, all murdered, all in the South, Missouri, North Carolina, and Florida. Areas that, you know, we know are lagging behind when it comes to trans acceptance. Um, and it's being shown societally through the, the media being a key component of how those attitudes are being um, not embraced. How do, how do you, what do you think the reason why the media continues to do that despite having all these voices telling them otherwise um, and what impact do you think that that has on the communities that they are informing when it comes to developing the uh, these ideas of acceptance for trans identities? I mean, I think they're doing it out of disrespect and discrimination. Obviously, they are empowered to do so, and it doesn't matter what folks say when they're criticizing them on it. They're still going to do it because they don't respect trans identities. I wish I had more to say other than they don't respect trans identities. They, like, literally transphobia exists to erase trans folks. And by not using somebody's declared name, they're erasing that person's identity. Hmm. They unfortunately have the power to do that. And it's not right. But it's going to happen, especially in those areas. Um, I, I could see it even happening where we're at, to be honest. I mean, I mean, it can happen. Nowhere's anywhere, perfect. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm also curious about to get your opinion on this. Um, so obviously there's still, there's been plenty of critique about, you know, how widely publicized black trans lives have been within the, the greater black lives matter movement, as we touched on earlier. Um, throughout the these two weeks of protests um but do you think that um e even with that critique we're still seeing more of it like you said we're still seeing those those names being um pushed out to out there more so than we would have before um when it comes to to these movements do you think that seeing how widely accepted and how widespread these protests have been, I mean, we've seen them everywhere within this country from like the smallest of rural towns, even to, to these larger municipalities, you know, you have 10,000 people in New York city or Philadelphia, and you have like a single family on the side of the road in Bumfuck, Georgia. I can, I can say that I'm from Bumfuck, Georgia. Um, and, but seeing that, that wide acceptance of, this movement specifically, do you think that that could impact how those communities such as Tallahassee view um, black trans people um, going forward? I mean, I think that that progression is going to be slow no matter what, but this is a, a really huge start that people are, you know, acknowledging that we exist, that we're here. They're acknowledging Marsha P. Johnson. And I don't think that the, that, I mean, bigots' minds change very slowly. 
and it might take generations to really see that change, but this is a start. And obviously I don't want us to be where we're at, where I would consider us to be like more at a beginning of the movement, but I'm also glad that we have this recognition currently. And I think that will only grow. Um, you know, at the very beginning of the show, you brought up the, the body cam issue and, you know, this is, this is kind of delving into the, a bit of the nitty gritty around the, the Tony McDade case right now. But, um, I know Tallahassee PD officials have been, um, they've resisted releasing the body cam footage from that night. And there's been a lot of conflicting testimony um, with people and Tony McDade's um, apartment complex contradicting police statements. And there's been a lot of push and pull between police unions and um, advocacy groups in Tallahassee with trying to get uh, the officer's name released, the, the white officer, or white descri- as described by uh, witnesses at the apartment complex officer um, who killed uh, Tony McDade and so much so that there, there was a the police union sort of I won't say s- staged but they basically walked out of a city council meeting earlier this week a uh, hundred cops all at once walking out after basically in protest because they are trying to protect the identity of, of one of their own uh, from being leaked to the press or being leaked to the public not even leaked just being released by the public by the by a judge um Obviously, not having body cam footage of that um, incident weighs heavy on the interpretation of it. Do you think any of those decisions um, or, or stances or actions taken by the uh, the Tallahassee Police Department that transphobia plays a role in any of those decisions, or what are your th- what are your thoughts? Well, I think it speaks volumes that they don't want to release the body cam footage. Yeah, I think it could be out of protecting the particular officers involved. But at the same time, we have body cams for a reason. I said it earlier. It's so that the public cannot deny what is happening to us. It's public record. It should be public record. Um, I understand that law enforcement and police unions probably have reasons to delay releasing footage but I also think that the public deserves to know what happened as far as whether transphobia is involved I wouldn't know how to answer without having seen the footage because we fully don't know what happened so I wonder first off what hate crime laws are in place in that area and whether by releasing the footage, whether that would reveal any sort of hate crimes. Um, certainly the circumstances around Tony McDade's murder, um, there's there's definitely transphobia at play there. Without all of the information and being able to take a step back and look at it, look at all that information, um, I couldn't specifically say there's transphobia However, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, of course. Um, but also, it shouldn't surprise me that police killed a black man. So, 
I don't know what that says if that's like affirming in some fucked up way. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know if that's appropriate. No, that's perfectly fine. That's what. That's why I wanted to have this, this discussion because like there's a lot of very raw feelings that a lot of people are feeling or experiencing right now. You know, and let's be real. Like there aren't a lot of people talking about the danger that is being thrust upon black trans lives that can truly speak from the position of a black trans person out there right now in terms of, especially when it comes to like mainstream media um, and, and large scale coverage um, of these issues, you know? So I think that like that, that raw feeling that you are expressing right now is I think the feeling that a lot of um, black trans people are, you know, I mean, I'm struggling with it. Yeah. I think it's something that, 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 that all people within the black trans community are, are struggling with, or at least most of them. Can't speak for everybody, of course. Uh, of but... course, yeah. That's, but, you know, so. And and the thing that, that bothers me the most and when it comes to this is that you know, routinely trans people of color are disproportionately affected by violence towards the the queer and trans and gender nonconforming community. Um, you know, I, we talked about stats earlier, like Tony Bedade's murder was the fifth in the month of May alone of a, of a black or gender, a black trans or gender nonconforming person in, in this country. It was the 12th this year alone so far. And that's probably with lockdowns. Yeah, and that's what they well, that's what that, that's according to the human rights campaign and that is just off of what has been reported because again, people all in death their gender identity isn't actually respected so they might not be reported as a, a trans death. Exactly. So, like knowing just how disproportionately these communities have been affected, especially in the lead up to, you know, what we've seen really expand from Minneapolis um I'll be frank from from my position where I'm at like it it bothers me that you don't hear more about these people that have suffered um you know especially if you have like let's be real like we have five there were five 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 of these murders in that month alone you know like I I don't know if it's really my place to be getting this worked out about it but of course it is. I mean, you know, you know, it's just, it's just like, I think that's what bothers me the most about people that have within this movement that either, you know, whether it's implicit or, or subconscious, um, don't recognize those names within these protest movements. You know, and I'm glad that they're catching on more and more because people out there are making sure that those names stay in people's mouths. You know, especially I've I've noticed like some like voices within the Black queer community that are doing that they're putting that out there as well. So 
I'm glad there are people doing the work out there, but like understand that this violence it affects this facet of the community in a deep, deep way that does not um, need to be left on the cutting room floor whenever these issues are brought to light. Um, I don't know. Oh. Just checking in with you. How are you doing? <laughs> um, to quote one of, I think, our favorite uh, things to kind of watch whenever we need to ground ourselves in some humor, um, I am royally pissed. Yes. <laughs> royally <laughs> pissed. Oh, God. Um, well... I think we're both nearing the our emotional. St- Hi, Max. Max wants to guest on the podcast as well. Max is our kitty. You've probably heard him before on this show because he likes to jump in front of my microphone from time to time. And he's a loud boy. Very loud boy. Um, uh, let's close. I, I kind of want to wrap things up here with this. Um, obviously, any any overall closing thoughts that you might have, um, I think would. You know, I would love to to under to hear and 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 understand that doesn't sound right. Do you have any like closing thoughts, or um, maybe maybe the better question is, what do you think is the 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 next step um, when it comes to keeping this the movement to elevate Black trans voices and and to that extent, you know, BIPOC trans voices within this movement. Um, as a whole again as a black trans person I am just so exhausted and it's hard for me to speak up about a lot of this stuff because I'm already exhausted and talking about these topics exhaust me they're emotionally draining they're re-traumatizing it's difficult so when black trans people speak about our experiences The next step for folks is to, first off, shut up and listen. And then second off, at least within this age of social media, repost that shit so all of your cis friends see that coming from a cisgender person. Maybe hold off on making your own comments on it in the main body of that repost. So really what we are getting is just that raw perspective from the trans person who is facing injustices as far as some of my other closing thoughts um we need solidarity with all oppressed communities i know i've said this a million times on this show so far that our fight is the same and to me that also strongly includes issues of wealth because so many black people, um, people of color in general, women, trans people, we don't face, we don't have equal pay for cis, heterosexual, white men, for black people and for trans folks. It can be, we can face hardships when finding jobs, um, finding housing where we aren't discriminated against. Um, 
like art these issues are also class issues and issues of wealth economic injustice and i also think that we need to fight on that end as well listen to your fellow marginalized groups because again it's not an oppression olympics and we need to be in solidarity to really achieve what we're looking for which is no longer to be oppressed and i'm also not saying that white people or cisgender people need to fight our battles but it definitely helps when they are putting out our voices to their communities who may not listen to us directly and in putting out those voices and then having conversations about what was said with other white folks or with other cisgender folks I think there's a lot of strength in in that allyship when unfortunately if I just say that as a black trans person like to a, a cis white man who doesn't think racism is real and definitely doesn't think that trans people exist like it doesn't penetrate it doesn't penetrate thank you yeah but yeah when i make those statements as a trans black person to a cis white heterosexual man my perspective my experience don't really in my experience he won't believe my experiences but if another white person or cisgender person tells him of my experiences, he's more likely to listen to that other white person or cisgender person. Um, And these are just my own personal experiences. Um, But that's why allyship is hugely important to me. And again, I'm not saying that you need to be, you as an ally need to, be telling other folks how to do things or get things done because that ultimately we need to work together on that but by elevating our voices so other people hear them is really important yeah i'm could have said it better myself i mean that's literally what you're doing yeah i know and i want to acknowledge that because um i don't know if you'll include this on your final podcast but I do want to acknowledge that you are elevating disenfranchised voices and taking a step back. And that is what the next step is for folks, for allies to do. Well, I honestly don't know what to say. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Honestly, it's not my place to say anything. I think. Well, maybe not... You can have your conflicted feelings about my (laughs) statements and that's totally okay. And I understand and I completely think that that's valid. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much, Casey, for having this difficult discussion with me. I know. Yeah. It's tough, but it is. It's important. Tough but needed. Thank you. And now I can relax by petting my kitty Max. Yes. Pet that kitty. If he'll let me pet him. He better. Cats.
my thanks once again to Casey for agreeing to have such a um, difficult and um, in some ways emotionally visceral uh, discussion here this week on the show. Um, much like last week, these conversations are not the easiest ones to have, but they hold an immense value in, in having perspectives heard that tend to go un, unnoticed or under the radar, um, especially when it comes to their own movements or how they apply to certain civil rights movements, such as the one with, that we are experiencing um, in full force right now in many places. Um, so big thank you to, to Casey for doing that. Um, that is our show for this week, but uh, as always, we have to say a few thank yous before we get out of here proper. Um, first off, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. And of course, a big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for our show's theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And of course, if you're into video games as well, I do co-host a video game news podcast every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That is called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. It's myself and a couple of my uh, close friends and fellow Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. We go through the week's video game news, um, give our viewpoints, critiques, analyses, and have some fun while doing it. Uh, it's always a blast. Uh, we haven't had a show for the past two weeks um, due to not wanting to be a distraction from the voices that deserve to be heard right now regarding this movement. Um, it just didn't feel right for us to do. And um, don't know if we're going to be coming back this coming Monday, but stay tuned to, to my Twitter because um, whenever it does come back, that's the first place that you will know. Um, but yeah, that usually every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, yeah. And that's going to do it for us this week. So, um, no justice, no peace. And keep fighting at that unified front. It can't end here. It can't. It can't. It can't. It can't. It it can't. Find a way to contribute. That's your homework. Find a way to contribute to this movement. Black lives matter. Black trans lives matter. And keep that in mind. Always. Always and forever. <laughs>